0: Welcome
1: to the Expert
2: PK
0: and Newbie Podcast.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Expert PK and Newbie Podcast, the podcast where each week we take a passage of the Bible, we read it together and we get the three different perspectives off of three different people. As always, I have with me Lachlan Miller, our expert. Hello. Morgan Carter, our newbie. Hi. Hi. And I'm Joshua Lee, the PK Pastors Kid. How are you all doing, guys? Yeah, doing all right. So we're recording these back to back. So asking ourselves how we're we doing. We already sort of know how, how we're doing. <laughs> if you listen to the previous episode, you know exactly how we're doing. Yeah. So we're still doing well. We're still, we're st- <laughs> <laughs> you know, like nothing nothing drastic's happened. But I believe, Lockie, you've uh, prepared some questions for us.
1: Well, I just thought we already know how we're doing and we've planned this day of knocking out a few podcasts in a row. Mm. So I figured I'd ask some type of icebreaker question of us so the viewers can get to know us a little bit more. And because we are the expert PK Newbie podcast, here's my question I want everyone on the table to answer. If you could suddenly become an expert at something, either in knowledge or in a practical skill, what would it be? It is a hard question. (laughs) Yeah, because it could be anything.
2: Anything.
0: I think I would really like to be an expert in another language, or like Auslan Oh not nice. Without oh, yeah. having to learn it, because I feel like it would take such a long time. Like an expert in being, yeah, having multi-like language, like being able to talk lots of languages. Mm,
2: that's that's cool. such a good one. Yeah. That's a good. Yeah, that's a good answer.
0: Like really helpful because you get in situations like Auslan would be so helpful to just know it already. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's mine.
2: That's a good answer. No, now I've got to come up with a good answer. <laughs> 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 um. Yeah, and I didn't even think of, like, like, are we thinking that it's, you become an expert in it, like, instantly? or Yeah, yeah. oh Instantly good at something, Josh. Instantly good at something.
1: Or instantly knowledgeable about something.
2: Oh, what if I wanted to be, okay, so not, hang on, sorry, now I'm, like, knowledgeable? <laughs> <laughs> are we saying in, they instantly? You're an expert, Josh. If you became an expert, expert. at something, you could be an expert at ping pong or an
1: expert oh, okay. on Star Wars. or.
2: I, I, well, okay, so I've always wanted to be good at, like music mm. and have like some sort mm. of like musical talent or, or whatever or, or I've always loved the idea of like being able to pick up a guitar or sit on a piano or whatever mm. instrument it is and just being able to instantly play it and wow everyone mm. there but I've got no musical bone <laughs> in me like there's, there's like or even just like singing like mm. like you know just just being able to build out something and it sounds good <laughs> yeah so That's I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna say music that is a really good answer
0: Lockie, what about you? If you weren't an expert in theology,
1: well, I mean, you could always be more of an expert in theology. That would, uh...
0: but something completely different.
1: <laughs> One of the joke answers I thought when I first came up with this question is to suddenly become an expert at like stock trading, and so oh, yeah. I could suddenly get so rich so quickly just by becoming an expert at that. True. Yeah. I don't know if that would be my final answer. To be real, mm. but. Oh, I like both of your answers a lot. Like, <laughs> I don't want to steal them, but they're very good answers to the questions, everybody.
2: Mm. Well done. <laughs> oh, you got to come up with something. I'm sticking with the making a lot of money option. Making a lot of money, <laughs> an expert in making money. Like my brain also is like an expert at making knives. I mean, something real random. <laughs> something real niche.
0: I'd love to be an expert at just smashing out an essay, like without having to think about it. Mm. Or like really academically smart. Or an expert at being like organised the options are endless
2: yeah it could be anything good question Mm. yeah this is like an expert in driving or like (laughs) race car driving yeah it's like yeah like yeah race car driving or stunt driving like mm, just you know being able to do like a j turn i'm always so impressed with people who are just
1: like so handy like with trades Mm. i would love to just suddenly have
2: all of the trade skills just all of them ready to go yeah. Well, there you go. There's your, there's your, there's your answer. Yeah. Other than stock trading.
0: <laughs> it'd be really cool if listeners sent him what they would do because it'd be really like interesting to know what mm. people wish they were an expert at.
2: That's great. Thank you for that. No worries. There's our how are you chit There's our how are you chit <laughs> So Morgan, what chapters are we reading today?
0: Today we are continuing in Genesis and we're doing 29, 30 and 31. Today's passage comes from the book of Genesis chapters 29 to 31. In these chapters, we see Jacob fall in love with Rachel, the daughter of Laban. However, Laban deceives Jacob into marrying his firstborn, Leah. And only after this does he also permit Jacob to marry Rachel. After many years of service to Laban and the birth of his 12 children, Jacob seeks to return home. But the distrust between him and Laban creates conflict.
1: So today we continue the story of Jacob. Last episode, we saw Jacob and his brother Esau being born. We saw. Jacob buying the birthright off Esau. We then saw Jacob and his mom manipulating their father to also get the blessing from their father, Isaac. And then Esau was so angry about this that Jacob has fled. Mm. But as Jacob fled, he received a dream from Yahweh, which basically guaranteed that Yahweh was with him wherever he went, even though he was now leaving the promised land Mm. and going to his mother's brother's household.
2: And we, in chapter 29, we sort of pick up from that and Mm. he's on the journey and sort of has made it Mm. there. Um, We see him stop by a well and we see that it is custom to wait for the, to open. So there's a stone on, on, on the well. It's closed off and it's, it says that it's custom to wait for the flocks to arrive and the shepherd to of said flocks to open the well for you to if you are a foreigner to wait, uh, for that to happen. So he's Jacob is here waiting. Mm.
1: And as we read this story, I think we're meant to be getting flashbacks to the time that Abraham's servant came to this same country in search of Rebecca. Mm. And what we said about that story was how obvious God's hand was over it. So while Yahweh is not mentioned in the beginning of this chapter whatsoever, it just so happened that he came to a spot where these shepherds were. Mm. It just so happened that it was near where his uncle lived. It just so happened that Rachel, Mm. his uncle's daughter, was coming down to the well at that exact time. Like just God's timing and providence is all over the beginning of this chapter, even if not mentioned by name.
2: Mm. Definitely. It's interesting that once he confirms that this is actually part of his family, Mm. That he then feels like he can actually take the stone off the well. Here, that, um, that is sort of like confirmed that, oh, well, the, the, because this is my family, this is my flock. So then I can now go do this as well.
1: I also wonder whether it was a bit of wanting to appear good and helpful in front of this family he's meeting for the first time. Because mm. it is very obvious that the other shepherds do not yet want to move the rock off the top of the well. But upon meeting Rachel he displays extraordinary strength and moves it by himself and then waters all of her sheep. And so it's almost like making that perfect good first impression.
2: Mm. Mm. Trying to impress Rachel.
0: Did he know he wanted Rachel before going there? Like, did he know that she existed?
1: Not at all. So Mm. his mother told him to go to his uncle and to marry one of his uncle's daughters. And so... I don't know whether that was Rebecca just assuming that her brother had daughters or whether she knew there were daughters on the scene, but they didn't mention them by name. There was, it's unlikely that they would have known exactly who they were or which one for Jacob to marry. Mm. It's just, he has met the two daughters of Laban. Well, sorry, in this part of the story, he's just met the first daughter of Laban.
0: Which is also his cousin, Mm. I'd like to point out.
1: You're allowed to point that out, but if Abraham (laughs) could marry his sister... (laughs) I think we need to concede that what is and isn't appropriate in terms of marriage in this ancient culture is quite a bit
2: different from what we think mm. is okay. I mean, they have so many, they, they they seem to have so many sons and daughters in this sort of ancient world that like the, the family spread is quite large. Mm. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that like that makes it, Okay, <laughs> to like you know go seek out a, a cousin, but from a place of well, I know this person because they have ties to you know this family or my family. Then, like, I guess the the familiarity and mm. knowing I can trust this this person makes that appealing potentially.
1: And I mean, the fastest way for a tribe to lose its dominance was by into breeding with another tribe. Like, you you quickly lose your distinctiveness if you and another tribe, like, you partner all of your children up, and suddenly it's no longer my tribe and your tribe. it's You've become one. And so the yeah. Old Testament seems very concerned with, especially later in Israel's history, with them only marrying, marrying Israelites, mm. because it wants to keep Israel as a distinct nation. Now, in the New Testament, Paul removes all the racial distinctions, but he still keeps the... You need to marry a Christian mm. commandment, and so there's something about marrying in a similar group that is a that is a helpful thing to talk about. Although we will very much agree that sisters and cousins are not people we should marry in the 21st century. No. Just to put it out there in case anyone thought <laughs> we're heading that direction. No,
2: no, no. So is Jacob weeping out loud because he kissed Rachel? <laughs> not because he kissed Rachel, but my... he was so excited. He was, no, but more so because he. <laughs> He found who he was seeking, like, who his mother said to go find? I think so. So, firstly, when we read that Jacob kissed Rachel,
1: this was a normal, appropriate greeting for family members. At this point in the story, nothing romantic is even hinted at. Like, this is purely a normal greeting. I think we then are meant to see the weeping as this is a man who's just travelled 900 kilometres, running away from his brother, who is blind with rage and wants to murder him, and he's finally arrived safely in this place that he's been after, mm. I think this is a man full of
2: relief. Mm. That makes sense. And, and slightly sort of a bit back, it's when he meets the shepherds for the first time, he asks, Do you know a man named Laban? Mm. And, you know, but he's asking, Is he doing well? Which I thought was quite funny to have an interaction with the Bible, like, Well, how are they doing? Are they doing all right? <laughs> but I, I guess that's like, I need to know if this. If, like, if, is he doing well? Is he alive? Mm-hmm. Like, does does is his tribe, is his family like up and running? Is it going like you know? Is all this for nothing, sort yeah. of thing?
1: Yeah, because they didn't have the communication we have. Mm. Like finding the status of Laban and figure out where he was at in life was something Jacob needed to do, and there was no way he had
2: access to that information before he arrived. No, he couldn't just like open up Instagram and go, "Oh, that's what yeah. that's what Laban's up to." Okay, good. <laughs> He posted a picture with his sheep. His uh, flock must be doing great. Yep.
1: (laughs) Oh, look, he's had two daughters. (laughs) He's had two daughters. And while we'll start to see Laban as a negative character by the end of this chunk that we've read, he starts off with a really good impression of running and welcoming Jacob, basically welcoming him into the family. And Mm. so we start in a really positive place before Laban gets his deceptive side on and starts being a pain for the rest of the chunk.
2: <laughs> yeah, he welcomes him as his own flesh and blood. Yeah. you know, And he even wants to pay him. Like, you know, it's not just because you're a relative. I, should, I shouldn't pay you. It's actually, you no, know, I want to reward you for the work that you've been doing in my family here.
0: In verse 17 where it says Leah's eyes were weak, does that mean she was blind?
2: There's sort of two options
1: here. We aren't exactly sure what is meant by that phrase. It either means she had weak eyes in terms of vision, so her vision wasn't excellent, or it means she had weak eyes in terms of colour. There was like Mm. potentially a very, like, grey-type eye colour, which is then directly contrasted with Rachel, who had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Mm. So here we have the third matriarch of Israel who is explicitly said to be very beautiful.
2: My version being always my version being slightly slightly different says there was no speckle in leah's eyes now like the footnote just says that it could mean that her eyes are dull Mm. and so so, same thing i just find that interesting that it's like there's no speckle versus that she had weak because speckle here doesn't feel like she didn't have poor vision it was more just a beauty standard thing Mm.
0: How does yours describe Rachel?
2: But Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face.
0: (laughs) Mine says beautiful in form and appearance. Mm.
1: Well, you have to remember, Josh, is by using the NLT, it tries to do some of the interpretation for you. And so the direct translation is weak eyes. Ah. Now, the NLT has tried to do some interpretation for you because weak eyes is not a phrase that makes sense by itself. Mm. Which I think is the strength of the NLT translation is it takes away some of the hard work you need to do when interpreting the Bible, (laughs) but it also means you're taking their interpretation. Yes, yes.
0: Right from reading 17, me being me, I started just feeling so sorry for Leah Like (laughs) from here on out. Felt so sorry for Leah.
1: (laughs) You always feel sorry for all of these characters. I know. I
0: get really sad about it. Like, I just feel bad for them. It's always the females.
1: If you feel bad for Leah now, just wait for Chapter 30. You're going to feel so bad for her. (laughs) Yeah. But it was Rachel that Jacob wanted, I think, is where we need to uh, take the conversation.
2: Do you feel bad because she was looked over?
1: Yeah,
0: and, like, Rachel's just talked up so much. And, like, what I was just going to say is the contrast to how... Um, Jacob's mum spoke about her like she loved Jacob mm. and then Jacob loved Rachel like it's just it feels like there's always a competition I just feel really sorry for the person on the other side
1: mm. Fair. again yeah. we see that favoritism ruins families and I think we see that both in Isaac's family and in Jacob's family
0: yeah I just I just it's just really sad <laughs>
1: <laughs> but what is really lovely is Jacob's love for Rachel, right? <laughs> Can we all agree that that is a lovely thing?
0: Yeah, but then Leah has to watch it. Like, imagine that in these days, how awful!
2: But, do, but Leah, but it doesn't say that Leah loved Jacob. Yeah, was was like that? The two were competing for each for for Jacob.
0: Mm-hmm. Not yet. And I feel like from what we've read, I feel like this is the first time I've noticed like love, like actual love between a couple mentioned.
1: Yeah, I think we we're, we're meant to assume it for Abraham and Sarah, and then also Isaac and Rebecca. But you're right. This is the first time that we've seen the early stages of a relationship and seen that it is based Mm. on love. Mm. And to even prove that more, like how beautiful is this verse? Uh, He offers to work seven years for her, which is actually quite a handsome offer. Like this is Jacob didn't want to risk being turned down. So he offers quite quite a good offer of seven years wages. And then it's these seven years seemed like only a few days because of his love for her. Like the whole point is that seven years for a a price for a bride as good as Rachel just didn't seem enough. Like he knew he was getting a good deal out of it and they seemed like no time at all because he loved her so much.
0: I was going to ask if you could explain a bit more about the serving seven years. Like initially I read that and I was like, oh, they have to serve seven years like prison to get them after seven (laughs) years to prove it or like what that meant.
1: So in the ancient world, you would almost always pay a bride price to the father or brother of a woman in order to marry her. And so Jacob has arrived in this area with nothing. Like he has no money. He has nothing that he could conceivably offer to offer a bride price to the father. And because of that, all he can offer is to work for him. Like he's effectively offering him seven years worth of wages.
0: They have to wait the full seven years and can only marry after the seven years, or yep. can they like sign a contract like "I promise I'll do it if you let me marry her"?
1: <laughs> I don't know what the custom was, but what we see here is that he actually works the seven years. But That's there is wild. a twist. <laughs> <laughs> there is a twist, and this is
2: where it gets messy. And what is that twist, Josh? What is that <laughs> twist? Well, obviously Jacob fulfills the seven years, and there and Laban puts on a nice wedding feast. Wedding feast that night instead of. Rachel sleeping with Jacob. Laban decides that, no, that's not going to happen and swaps them out, essentially. Yep. And tricks Jacob to see another another sort of uh, action of deception happens. Mm -hmm. The deceiver has been deceived. Mm, Happens here. Yeah, and Jacob wakes up to find that it's Leah there.
1: Now, when I read this, I was like, sure, she was veiled. Sure, it was dark at nighttime and there's no lights like we have today. And sure, (laughs) alcohol was involved. But having been recently married, i don't I can't even conceive of mistaking my bride
2: for the wrong person yeah how does how does that happen?
0: And after seven years of thinking about her waiting for that day,
2: yeah, you would really definitely be be like you know making sure it was the right person. I mean, but even you know waiting for seven years you would you would think that you would you 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 should know just know that they're the right person, right like
0: and like, where's Rachel through all this? like wouldn't she be like Swap me back. Like, where is she?
1: Probably, but her father is the absolute authority figure in the household. I don't think
2: she probably had a say or a choice in the matter.
0: No, but... I feel sorry for Rachel.
2: <laughs> and I think this is like, you know, like like that whole thing like where we said like before, like I don't think there was any like necessary competition. I think this is where the selfishness of Laban starts to to come in, because he's justifying this by saying, Well, my firstborn should have should technically have this. Mm. Can you imagine how those words would have cut to
1: Jacob's heart? Mm. Jacob's entire story is that he, the younger, used deception to advance over the elder. And here Laban is saying, "Oh, we don't do that here. the mm. The older always comes first here before the younger gets anything,
2: which is a direct mm. statement against Jacob's whole story so far but he, and and even to that extent, why not then just say that in the beginning? Why not say that, oh, we don't do that here, I can't, like, in your offer of working for seven years, I can't offer Rachel in the hand of marriage, I can only offer Leah here. Like, why not say that in the beginning, rather than having to go through all this, leading Jacob almost astray, then doing a switcheroo on him. Unless he was so in awe and captivated by Rachel that no matter what anyone said, that It was always going to be Rachel. From the other clues that we find
1: in the chunk that we've read, I suspect that after working for him for seven years, Laban realized that Jacob was such a good worker. It says halfway through 30 that Laban has realized that God is blessing Jacob and that everything Jacob does is blessed and that the flocks have increased in size beyond imagination. Jacob literally says that I've taken what was a tiny flock when I first started working for you and now look what it has become. Mm. So I think Laban has realized that he's got like pure gold on his hands with Jacob working for him. And Mm. I think he initially did promise Rachel to Jacob, but then was like, how can I get more work out of this man? Mm. Which is exactly the bargain we see struck after this first wedding is he goes, well, I will give you Rachel for another seven years of service. And so suddenly he's doubled the amount of service that Jacob has to give to him. And that's another seven years of this man that is doing an incredible job.
0: If I was Jacob, I would just stay single and just walk away like it seems a lot
1: he can't stay single he's now legally and officially married to leah
0: well i just would just keep it at that and just forget rachel
1: but he loved rachel (laughs) that's the entire point we've seen
0: but it's just not worth it seven more years
1: if the first seven years flew by because of his love for rachel i think he would be prepared to agree to seven more especially since this time he gets rachel and then works the seven years
0: No matter how much I love someone, I wouldn't work seven years.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, I just want to quickly bring up that later on in Israelite history, it becomes illegal, according to the law of Moses, to marry two sisters during their lifetime. Hmm. Like you could marry the second sister if the first one passed away and was your wife, but while both were alive, you were not allowed to marry two sisters. It was illegal. And I suspect the lessons that we learn from the rest of this story of Leah and Rachel as the two sister wives is partially the reason why it becomes illegal in Israel to do this. The only other thing I want to say before we move from 31 onwards into Jacob's children is the text explicitly talks about Zilpah and Bilhah who are given to Rachel and Leah as their maids. Mm. Now, while there was a bride price in the ancient world, it was also a universal custom that the bride would then be given a large present by her father when she married. And so part of the idea is you pay this huge bride price in order to marry, and then the father effectively gives basically the same amount back to his daughter as she marries, and so you end up in a similar place. Mm. But it's an official transaction of a type. Anyway, the reason that I think it's mentioned here about Zilpa and Bilha is that they are going to become very important yes. as we hit Jacob having children. Yes. So just wanted to quickly point out that they are part of the story and that's where
2: they're introduced they are and these four women are very important because this as we get to verse 31 even before we even get to chapter 30 verse 31 of chapter 29 at least in my bible the heading is jacob's many children oh mine just says jacob's children but yeah fair (laughs) (laughs) yeah jacob's many children and i think this is where we we are now getting into the section of like The issues that are now going to arise Mm. with how these events have have turned out. But also, as we read about Jacob's children,
1: we get to finally see the promises of being a great nation start to take shape. Mm. Like every Israelite could look back to Jacob as part of their ancestry because they all came through the 12 tribes or the 12
2: sons of Jacob. So we have another very familiar story here with Rachel.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Rachel was barren. <laughs> yep. is I just feel like Rachel's talked up so much in this beautiful figure and Leah's not, and it says she was hated. Mm. Is this kind of a lesson, like, in a way that she can conceive but Rachel can't?
1: Well, we, we do see here at 31 that the Lord Yahweh saw that Leah was not loved and he intervened on her behalf. Like, I think Leah realized she was never going to be loved by her husband and so therefore desired children to love. And the Lord granted that request because I think Mm -hmm. Yahweh's heart went out to Leah when he saw how mistreated she was. And so, yeah, the text literally says the Lord enabled her to conceive. Mm. And so ultimately it is God who is in charge of human life.
0: And my study Bible says that she um, had four sons and that each son's name is a wordplay on her comments after the birth.
1: Yep. They are. You don't even need the art, the study Bible for that. Just as we read the text, (laughs) we'll see that come true. So should we step through her children? We should. So Reuben, the firstborn, firstborn son,
2: tribe number one, in a sense.
0: So like, what does it mean by the names came from comments she made, like Reuben?
2: Verse 32, so Leah became pregnant and gave birth to her son. She named him Reuben she said, the Lord had noticed my misery and now my husband will love me. Nice.
1: So Reuben sounds very similar to the Hebrew word for misery. And so she literally gives birth to a son. And because she is so miserable, she calls her son a wordplay on the word misery. And then she says, surely my husband will love me now. I've given him a son. Surely he will love me. But as we'll see, that is not what happens.
0: The mind says that the name Reuben means see.
1: The literal translation of Reuben means look, a son. But as we said, it's a word play. So it sounds Mm. similar to the Hebrew word for misery. So it's not that Reuben means misery. It's a
2: word play. But it's like, it's probably like taking that like see, it's like, look, Jacob, my husband, see that we have a son. Mm -hmm. because So surely you should now notice me. Yeah because I'm miserable because <laughs> I, I like you know you know trying to like turn the tides of, of like, well, now that we have children together, you should you should love me like see that we now have a child. Mm.
0: That's so sad.
2: Yeah, mm. absolutely. And the names of her next two
1: sons are also pretty sad. So then she gives birth to Simeon, which means God heard and that's because God heard that Leah was not loved. Like she explains that's why she gave him that name. And then Levi, so tribe number three. Levi was named for her hope that her husband would become attached to her. So Levi sounds very similar to the Hebrew word for attached. And so she was hoping that Levi would attach her husband to her again, but that was not to be. And then her fourth son, Judah. Judah means I will praise the Lord or let him be praised because she realized that her husband would never love her. So her only solace was in praising the Lord.
2: Which, like, it's a roller coaster of... Like emotions and and just trying to get Jacob's attention.
1: <laughs> yeah, legitimately. You know,
2: we see we can we can see a journey that's being created. It's like first, can you just like notice me? Mm-hmm. And then, then the Lord's heard my misery. And so then the third one is uh, meaning attached, like hoping that Jacob can be attached to me because now we have three sons, and surely this will now work. And then fourth it's just depressing and sad. (laughs) She's given up. She's given up. Unfortunately, you know, like she's turned, arguably, into the right direction of like, okay, well, my now only solace is with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Which is good, in a a way, but it's just depressing that four attempts to get Jacob's attention and it's just not worked. Hmm. Judah.
1: Yeah, what about Judah?
2: There's a certain line that goes from Judah, right? (laughs) Azelot? No, it's in the line. The not the lion. <laughs> what? <laughs> sorry, I swear you said lion. And no, I was I'm like, saying the line of Judah.
1: Oh, okay. You said the descendants lion. of Judah. There's
2: Judah is quite important. Yes, correct.
1: <laughs> yes, the kingly line comes through Judah. Mm-hmm. Jesus comes through Judah. Mm-hmm. And next episode, <laughs> sorry that i am always doing this. Next episode, we'll begin to see why the kingly line comes through Judah and not through the firstborn
2: or even just through any anyone else mm. as well like uh, as we as we get to it the servants get pregnant and as well as Rachel and so it could through the four four women it could be through any of the line but it actually comes from the fourth line and what we're sort of saying is like you know it gets real depressing at that point but it's interesting how it's when it's the line that When Leah has said, I will turn to God and my solace is with him. So I find, I personally find that quite interesting that it's, it's the, it's the solace in God and it's all through God rather than anything else about like trying to get Jacob's attention and all that.
1: But yes, as you said, there is more children to come. There is. So (laughs) Rachel is so consumed with jealousy because Rachel also wants a child, but as Morgan pointed out for us, she is barren. And so they decide to repeat Abraham's story by handing over the maid, turning her into a wife, and then saying that I'm going to have a child through the maid, and that counts as my child.
0: So how many wives are we up to?
1: We're up to three, but we'll end up at four in just a moment. And so so Rachel hands her servant over.
2: And so we have child number five. Yes. Out of 12. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Dan. Tribe five. Dan. It's such a normal name compared to all the other names that we've read so far. Yeah. We've got like Levi, Reuben, Dan.
1: It's a good name. It's very common nowadays. Dan means vindication. In other words, Rachel is saying, the Lord has vindicated me because now I have a child to call my own son. Now, again, this is not Rachel's child because it's through her maid, but at a legal level, that is the arrangement, is this counts as Rachel's child, in the same way that Ishmael was meant to count as Sarai's child, mm. until we read that story, and Sarai doesn't want a bar of it and doesn't ever accept Ishmael. Mm. Yep. And then the maid gives birth to a sixth child of Jacob, the maid's second child, but Jacob's sixth son, and the name Neptali means I fought, in other words, Rachel is saying, I've fought and struggled with my sister, and this is the fruit of that fight, mm. is another child for me.
2: And it's saying here in the text, I'm winning. Yeah. It's like, what a bold thing to
1: say. <laughs> yeah. They're not even your two kids. They're no. two kids given birth by your maid, and your sister wife has four kids, and you're like,
2: haha, I win. I win. I've 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 done it. And I like sort of like had to stop and think, going, are you one? why does this have to be a competition? But two, (laughs) are you winning? Is this what we're constituting you as, like, winning, that you have children but are not of your own blood? Mm -hmm.
0: And then we see, is it um, Leah handing Jacob her servant, Zilpa?
1: Correct. He's wife number four.
0: Jacob would have just been like, what is going on?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Especially because his wives are literally handing him other women and saying, Here's another one.
0: Yes. Uh, mm. Like, would he have liked that or not liked that?
2: (laughs) Well, no idea. (laughs) No idea. We know more children are popping out, so the deed's been done. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering
1: how you're going to phrase it, Josh. (laughs) Take that as you will, but. (laughs) It just seems like a never ending competition between Leah and Rachel. Mm. And Leah goes, Well, if you slept with Rachel's maid and had two kids, you're going to sleep with mine too and have another two kids. Mm. (laughs) And so. Leah's maid gives birth to Gad, which means fortune, and Asher, which means blessing. So he is son number seven and son number eight, and Leah praises the Lord for the birth of these two sons and says that they are fortune and they are blessing because I am prospering.
0: Hmm. Why didn't Leah keep having them? Why did she get her servant? Was she just over it?
1: Well, we do read in the text that Leah saw that she had stopped having children. And so for whatever reason, for at least a season, she had stopped having children. And clearly she wanted to keep one upping her sister. And mm. so gave Jacob her maid. But we'll see in just a moment that Leah has another three children. And so it was clearly just a limited time thing that
2: she stopped having children. And and it's all because of a mandrake. <laughs> like, you know, like competition aside, what does it say? It's um, one day during the wheat harvest, Reuben found some mandrake growing in the field and brought them to his mother, Leah. Rachel begged Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrake. But Leah angrily replied, wasn't it enough that you had stolen my husband? Now you will steal my son's mandrake too. (laughs) Oh, the conflict in this family is killing me. It's just a mandrake. Well, the thing is,
1: a mandrake was considered an aphrodisiac. It was also thought to induce fertility. So Rachel wanted it because she still hadn't had any kids of her own. Mm. Yeah, sure, she had had two through her maid, but suddenly there's Reuben standing there with some mandrakes and she thinks that can induce fertility. I'll do whatever it takes to get them. Ironically, it backfires. Yes. So Rachel gets the mandrakes, but in exchange, she's like, but you can sleep with Jacob tonight, but I'll get the mandrakes. And Leah then sleeps with Jacob that night and ends up having another three kids. Triplets. I don't think they're triplets. I think they are three that just happen in a row. But the three kids are Issachar, which is son number nine, and his name means wages or hire. And Mm. what Leah says is, I hired my husband by selling off the mandrakes, and I've had another son because of it. (laughs) And then she gives birth to Zebulun, which his name means gift. And Mm. So she she thought, hey, here's another gift from God. Mm. And then finally she has a daughter, Dinah.
2: No. Were there more daughters? There's only one daughter ever mentioned. Mm. I read somewhere that possibly there could have been more, but it was just never recorded. Later on, it
1: says, towards the end of Jacob's life, that he was surrounded by his sons and daughters, but most scholars think that means daughter-in-laws at that point. But basically, there's only ever one daughter recorded. Yeah.
0: And then Rachel is not barren.
1: Oh, finally. (laughs) (laughs) She finally gives birth to Joseph. And she... The name Joseph is an interesting one, because the name means add, like plus, like, I don't know how else to say it, like the maths concept of add, because Rachel says... Addition? Yeah, addition. Yeah. What Rachel is saying is, Lord, thank you for this child. Please add another one to me. Mm. So in naming her first son after being barren, she looks forward to hopefully having more. She literally names Joseph, Lord, give me another son.
0: Mm. Is this the Joseph,
1: the famous Joseph? This is the Joseph. Mm. Like
0: Mary and Joseph Joseph?
1: No, like Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat Joseph.
0: (laughs) Oh, not the same Joseph.
1: (laughs) No, no, that's a bit of time gap. Mary and Joseph is a good 2,000 years later. Oh,
0: (laughs) well, who knows? They seem to live a very long time, so.
1: We are nowhere near Jesus yet. Okay. And so we hit kind of the end of this section and we see that God has prospered Jacob. Like, he's begun to make him into a great nation. He has 12 kids, 11 sons. So 11 of the famous 12 tribes of Israel, have their founders have been born. There's still one more to come a little bit later on. But we really see that Israel as a nation is beginning to take shape.
2: Hmm.
0: That's a lot of kids.
2: <laughs> that is. Yeah. And there's this is only 11. And we did say that there, there 11 are 11 tw- sons. These 11, sorry, sorry. There's 11, there's 12 kids, but there's 11 sons in terms of the tribes of Israel. There are 12 tribes. Mm-hmm. So we are missing one are. son here, which will come later.
1: Because Rachel prays, Lord, give me another child. Mm. And that prayer will be answered, but with some pretty severe consequences.
0: Mm. So, Is this Jacob wants to go home back to where he came from those all those years ago before he set out to find Rachel?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's exactly how verse 25 yeah. begins is he has now served for 14 years with Laban. He now has a big family, multiple wives, and he goes to Laban and says, I think it's almost time for me to return home, but while I have a large family, I don't yet have any earthly riches Hmm. because he's spent 14 years working and his wages for that was his two wives, so he doesn't yet actually have anything else.
2: And he's asking this of, of Laban. Hmm. Like he's asking, I, I would like to leave, but also I need this wealth. I need to accrue this wealth.
0: Hmm. I'm confused with the timeline because if he's just finished the 14 years of serving, but they had to get married after finishing serving, they have kids out of wedlock.
1: No, no, no. So he worked for seven years and then married Leah by mistake. And then he mm-hmm. married Rachel a week later in promise of working another seven years.
0: Okay, right. That makes sense. So within
1: a week, he got married to both of the daughters. And then what we've just read happened over the next seven years. Okay. So all these children have effectively come in seven years. And this is where we pick up the theme that I brought up earlier about Laban has realized that the Lord has blessed me because of you, Jacob. In other words, the promise to Abraham that those who bless him will be blessed is happening to Jacob here. Like that same promise has come through that in everything Jacob does, he is blessed. And Laban, who has facilitated that,
2: has also been blessed. Mm. And he's asking Laban for wages. He wants mm. him to get paid. He wants to get paid from Laban. He's like, like you just said, Laban off the back of Jacob has, has grown in his mm. wealth. wealth. And sort of Jacob, Jacob sort of realizing that he is owed mm-hmm. something for that contribution, um, that blessing that he's sort of brought Laban. And so what he asked for is something that
1: would be very easy to keep track of. Mm. So sheep are normally white, goats are normally black. And he says, Laban, how about I take all the splotchy ones? Like all of the ones that are a mix of colours, I will take for myself. And so any that are born in my flock that are a mix of colours will be mine as an inheritance. And any that are the pure normal colour are yours. And so, therefore, at any point you can come to my flock and see which are yours and which are mine. And the normal one-coloured animals were the more normal kind. So the mm. splotchy ones are the rarer
2: kind. Mm. So he's sort of like humbly sort of saying, "I will take these harder to find animals as as my own payment." Yeah, as you know, or yeah, as 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 payment, but as like instead of just saying, "Well, I want half the f- half the flock," I was like, "I'm going to take the." High road and the harder path mm. by by taking by only wanting these these rarer uh, flocks of sheep and then Laban pulls a fast one on him and says
1: absolutely that is definitely what's going to happen and then that night takes out every single splotchy looking lamb and goat and Jacob must have rocked up to his flock the next morning and gone it's a miracle overnight every sheep has turned white as snow <laughs>
2: <laughs> what has happened which is so dodgy. And this is where we sort of see that, well, we've already started to see the deceit of mm-hmm. Laban. Oh, yeah, we've seen it. we've seen it, we've well, seen truly. it, but this is where we sort of get into the thick of 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 Laban's greed mm. and just wanting it all for all himself. yeah, and using people. He's using Jacob. he's using Absolutely. the blessings that Jacob's brought.
0: from verse thirty seven there's some strange things going on with all these branches. What, what is happening?
2: Josh, did you want to jump in? You started to well, say something. Well, I was just, you know, to further that, it's like, I don't think that's how
1: <laughs> science works. <laughs> science works
2: in terms of like how you, for lack of a better way of describing it, create splotchy and non splotchy <laughs> <laughs> Um, To probably then explain what's happening, Jacob has found some fresh branches from almond and plane trees, peeled them off, stripped the bark making white streaks on them, but then has placed these peeled branches into water troughs where the flocks come to drink and where they mate. And whilst they're mating in front of these branches, they're young, they get born, are speckled, streaked, and spotted. Mm-hmm. So if we're getting it right, <laughs> they're taking the black and white sheeps, he's getting branches, they're mating in front of it, and then the black and white sheeps, which you would think would just turn out to be black or white sheeps, have streaks and speckles on them. Mm-hmm. So uh, effectively, Jacob has seen that the fast one has been pulled on him. Going, well, there's no way I can now get speckled and splotty sheeps. Mm. I've got to go create some. I of need to my create own. my own. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: You see, it was a common ancient belief that a vivid sight during pregnancy whether that be human or animal, a vivid sight during pregnancy would leave a mark on the embryo. Uh So what Jacob is doing is he's putting these like very bright white branches in front of the sheep and going, if during conception, the sheep looks ahead and sees this bright, vivid sight, that will leave (laughs) splotchy marks on the embryo. Now, that was the belief. Here's some science for you. It doesn't work that way.
0: I can just imagine Jacob being like, oh, I've got this mad idea.
2: <laughs> I've got such a good, good idea. idea. Wait, just wait a second. It, I'll be back. And like trying
0: to hold it in front of the sheep while they're doing that. Yeah,
2: yeah. look at it, look at it, look at it. <laughs> now,
1: given that we know scientifically this is not how it works, I think this leads us to one conclusion. Mm. God was on the side of Jacob. God yes. caused this to happen so that Jacob could get a fair share.
0: Well, God just wanted to have a laugh at him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's only because of God's intervention that Jacob's expectations of this urban myth were fulfilled. And Jacob actually in chapter 31 verses 9 to 10 recognises that this only worked because of Yahweh, Mm. because of the intervention of God. Anyway, so within a few generations of sheep, we know that this, this kind of process takes about six years. But within six years, Jacob has taken what was just white sheep and just black goats, like this whole flock of them. And he's turned them basically all into the different shades and stri- stripes and colors and spots that he agreed with Laban that he would get to have. And then also, he did some very, very clever selective breeding by only mating the stronger animals for himself and then mating the weaker animals and letting them be one color and therefore being Laban's. And so we end chapter 31 with the line that the man, so Jacob, grew exceedingly prosperous. Mm. As we hit chapter 31, there are two reasons that Jacob decides now is the time to return to his homeland, to return to Canaan. What are the two reasons, team? Well, the first one is God instructed him to. Yep, the Lord said to Jacob, go. Mm. Which is actually the exact same phrase that he said to Abraham back in Genesis 12.
0: Would he have just before we answer that second one? Would he have taken all the wives and all the kids? Yep. So when he gets back, and he is, his, if his mum's still there, she would be like, "I sent you to get a wife, and you've come back with like a whole village."
2: <laughs> yes. I mean, fourteen plus years have passed. Uh, twenty
1: years at this 20, point. Twenty, twenty. So have as passed. chapter thirty-one begins, it's been twenty years since Jacob has
2: seen his father, his mother, or his brother. Oh, mm. it's a long, it's a long time. But, yeah, an entire tribe broken up.
0: was the second reason?
2: The sons were grumbling. The sons were not happy. Laban's Laban's sons were not happy with Jacob and all his wealth that he had accrued. Mm. So conflict
1: was brewing. Mm. Conflict was really about to explode. I think Jacob could sense that. He says later on that the attitude of Laban towards him had also changed. Mm. Was no longer the welcoming man we saw just two chapters ago. There was a lot of animosity happening now, and then God appears him and tells him to go, and so he decides it is time to go.
0: That would be just such a mission, nine hundred k's with all the kids, like
2: all the flocks. Mm. Mission. It does say that he accrued, like in his wealth, it says that he had large flocks of sheep and goat, female and male servants, so he did have help mm-hmm. as well as many. Mm camels and donkeys mm-hmm. i like, guess it's a it's a big mission to move a large group of people rather than just a few but you know he would have had help there to try and do it it's not like he's doing it all himself mm. he's just sort of leading the pack yeah <laughs> laban kept on changing what the payment was mm. and it was changing the goalpost. he like you know in the frustration of seeing that like Jacob's winning here. <laughs> you know, you call that a competition? Jacob's sort of like winning and outsmarting the outsmarting that he's shifting the goalposts of. Like, no, no, no. Well, you're only going to have the the striped young now. You can't have the spotted. And and it keeps 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 changing that that greed keeps like seeping in of like I, I, I still want all of what you've earned.
1: Mm. Yeah. And in the NOV it says "Laban kept changing my wages 10 times." Mm. Now, 10 is just a round number. So we might say, oh, they screwed me over a dozen times. Or we might say, time after time, they keep changing the goalposts. And so we don't have to look back through the story and count exactly 10 times that Laban has changed things. But we get to see that as just a bit of a a well-known Hebrew idiom for Mm. time after time, over and over, heaps. Heaps. (laughs) God does like to speak to Jacob in a dream. He does love it, yeah. Mm. And to be fair, his son Joseph will have many a dream Mm. that God will speak to him through. And so when we see God's revelation, particularly in the second half of Genesis, it is often through dreams. Mm. And the dream was clear. Go home. Get out of there. Mm.
0: Why did Rachel steal the household gods?
1: It's a good question because it seems like that is the act that endangered the entire thing, right? There's a chance Laban may not have even pursued Jacob except for the fact that suddenly the household gods all go missing. Now, we don't know exactly why Rachel stole them. Um, I read a bunch of commentaries during the week, and here are potential options for why she may have stolen these household gods. The first is it is believed that to have the household gods might give a person the right to the inheritance. So this could have been Rachel directly playing out her words in the previous few verses of, I no longer have any rights to my father's inheritance anyway, mm. but then stealing the household gods, which would give her a right to the inheritance. Another option is she may have had a really pagan belief system and believed that these gods would protect her mm. or that these gods would give power to Laban to chase after them. And so by taking them, she could rob Laban of his power. Mm. She perhaps thought that she just deserved these household gods. Like, She basically just disowned Laban as a father and was like, Mm. I deserve something out of this. And the final option is the household gods were probably made of precious materials. So maybe it was just like a final, screw you, I am taking something of value that I can sell later. Those seem to be the main options I could find. But there's no direct answer to your question, Morgan. Mm.
2: I've heard, you know, very, very, if not the same, similar sort of, Thoughts about why this happened because it's a bit out of the blue that mm. all of a sudden just still like you could have stolen anything but it was the household idols mm. which you know then says well this was a household that worshipped pagan yeah, gods yeah. Laban which, was a pagan mm, was a pagan and and sort of shows that Jacob wasn't influenced by that didn't take up the false idols stayed true and remained true to Yahweh yeah back in verse eleven. Then in my dream, the angel of God said to me, Jacob, and I replied, yes, here I am. You know, it's that immediate response Mm. to Yahweh, the immediate response to God, despite being in a pagan land. Yeah. Yeah. Could have been out of spite, selling off the wealth. I guess we'll never know.
1: Yeah, we won't. But what we do know is that they fled and that Laban chased them down which he could have, even though Jacob and his crew got a three-day head start, they were moving an awful lot of animals. Mm-hmm. They potentially still had young children at this point in time, and so they were all moving together probably quite slowly, which is why Laban was able to catch up
2: with them. Mm. <laughs> Verse 23, in my version, it says, so he gathered a group of his relatives and set out in hot pursuit. <laughs> <laughs> Not just pursuit. No, hot, hot pursuit. pursuit. They were definitely after him. They they were on a mission,
1: <laughs> which again explains why they are potentially able to catch up, because they weren't just
2: following slowly. They were in hot pursuit. They were in hot pursuit. <laughs> <laughs> Those camels booked it. <laughs> <laughs> which, to be fair, camels are actually quite quick when you see them run. Like they, you, we we often just see them sort of like walking and wandering, but when they run, they run. Got intervened.
1: Yeah. Always nice to see that God has Jacob's back Mm. because had God not appeared to Laban in that dream, I hesitate to think what Laban might have done to Jacob.
2: Yes, definitely. And God's warning him saying, I warn you, leave Jacob alone. Mm. You know, there's no ifs, there's no buts. It's just, just don't, don't, Mm. don't lay a finger on him. Don't lay a hand on him. Like just leave Jacob alone.
1: And I mean, Laban even says, like he tells Jacob that the Lord has appeared to him and told him not to lay a hand on him. Mm which I think was the only thing restraining Laban. He does search all of Jacob's belongings to uh, try and find his household gods, which leads to the fun situation where Rachel's like, oh, sorry, I can't get up. I'm on my period. And her dad's like, I won't come near you. That's fine. Meanwhile, she hides <laughs> the household gods under her.
2: Jacob gets extremely angry which, and challenges Laban, like rightly so. Now Jacob doesn't know that Rachel has stolen these idols. So, with the knowledge of him not knowing it, sort of justified that he would get like extremely angry. Yeah, he's being falsely accused. He's being falsely accused of, of things that he didn't do. And he didn't actually steal them. It was mm. It was technically Rachel. But he does, you know, sort of address the issues of saying, like, you are reaping my rewards here and you've been doing this for so long.
0: What's the significance behind the stones?
2: So,
1: as they made an agreement... They would always want their gods watching over the agreement. And so you see that they name the stones Galid in Hebrew, which means a heap of witnesses. And then in Aramaic, they name them, oh, I'm going to butcher this, Jager Sadadatha. But that also just means a heap of witnesses. So a lot of scholars think that Jacob puts down one large stone, which represents Yahweh as a witness for this covenant that Laban and Jacob are about to make. And then Laban puts down a whole heap of stones to represent all of his gods because he's a pagan. And so as they make this agreement, all of their gods are looking over the agreement and will enforce both parties to keep this agreement. And I don't think we've said it yet, but Laban wants an agreement. He starts off by saying that he wants it for the safety and well-being of his daughters, for Jacob to promise to look after them. Mm. But then the second half of their agreement is that Jacob will never return past this pile of stones towards Laban's household. So I think Laban has realized that he's gotten as much as he's ever going to get out of Jacob. Mm. And now Jacob's only a threat because clearly he is someone who's now become very wealthy, has Mm. obtained a lot of that wealth from Laban, and Laban just doesn't want to borrow him anymore. And so the agreement is in the sight and witness of these pillars, which represent our gods. Again, Jacob having one God, um, we agree to treat your daughters well and to never return to your home country.
2: Mm. And it's almost, I almost say that like it's a selfish move because it's not like as if they're trying to like work this out and, you know, like come visit me in the summer sort of thing. You know, it's, <laughs> it's now like I see you as a threat and I now do not, to protect myself, we are making this despite being family. And we end this chapter slash this section slash this episode
1: with Jacob perched on the edge of Canaan, almost back in the promised lands. However, as a little um teaser for next episode, last time he was in the land of Canaan, his brother wanted him dead. And we're going to find out next episode whether 20 years has changed that or not.
2: <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So what we saw last episode was Jacob the Deceiver. And what we've seen this episode is Jacob the one being deceived. And there's just something about the principle of what a man sows he reaps, which we also see in the New Testament in Galatians, of just comes through full force Here is We see the life of Jacob, and at this point in his life, he's been deceived so many times, even though his name means deceiver. Mm. And so I guess that's sort of my takeaways. You reap what you sow. I'm not saying that Jacob deserves everything that has happened here, but I think that principle is hard to ignore as we go through this story. Mm.
0: My takeaway is nothing crazy or life-changing, but I'm just still so shocked at how, like, different life was back then and, like, what went on and what was okay. Mm. Yeah, just blows my mind.
2: The differences in both history and culture.
0: Mm. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: like, compared to us, this is 4,000 years ago. Like we'd probably struggle to recognize the culture of our grandparents and be like, man, they were weird. But this is <laughs> yeah. so
2: far beyond that. Mm. Mm. For me, I guess my takeaway is that God's still present in all of this. Like he's, he's still blessing Jacob mm. in, in despite, you know, whether it's like, you know, he's being deceived because he was a deceiver beforehand. Like God's still there god's blessing him and and you know making him wealthy and and providing uh for him but i i just really like that like little line of like when god calls out to jacob in a dream and despite all this stuff happening despite being in a pagan pagan land and having to sort of battle his way through laban him just saying yes lord i'm here that instant like sort of like acknowledgement and you know lord you're here and i i i'm i'm here too and i'm I'm your willing servant i think it, it always amazes me the just the instant acknowledgement of god
1: hmm.
2: so after reading all of uh, that and and learning about jacob's story and and his children We've shared our thoughts and we'd love to know your thoughts and uh, send them in. We'd love to know what you've thought about these passages of the Bible. But we'd also love to know if you've got any questions that have, have come up, anything that you're unsure sure of and we'd just love to know your comments so send them through send them through to our social medias uh you can follow us on instagram tiktok facebook and stay up to date with them if you haven't already give them a follow we'll post regularly when we can there if you would like to financially support us then follow us on patreon head over to our link tree you can find our patreon there or the links in the description below and you can uh get extra content early episodes, extra long episodes, and uh, it is a way for you to financially support us if you would like to uh, do that. Don't forget to share it with a friend, share it with someone that doesn't know this podcast or is sort of interested in uh, the Bible or interested in Christianity and faith. Would Maybe this is a good tool for them to sort of Uh, get into Christianity or share it with someone that uh, wants to delve deeper into the Bible. We'd love not only this uh, podcast to be shared around, but the word of God to also be shared. How about I just end with a word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your servant, Jacob. I thank you for his work and his obedience to you, Lord, that no matter what happened in his life that he was still obedient to you, Lord. Allow us to look towards that and to also match his obedience to you, Lord. Lord, pray for everyone here and everyone listening and watching that you be with them in everything that they do. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. 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 Lockheed Morgan, thank you. And thank you everyone for watching and listening. And we will see everyone next week. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye. A mustard seed creative production.